welcome back to the Dr. Body Mind Soul podcast. My name is Dr. Jude, and this is a podcast which explores how we can integrate modern medicine and alternative therapies to help you get the holistic health care that you deserve. I will be speaking to healers and seekers, researchers and authors who will share their experiences and the evidence to help guide us all to holistic health. Let's do this. Tanya Cole Lesnick is a psychotherapist, licensed clinical social worker, and personal development coach who is focused on helping people clear their energetic clutter to pursue a life that honors their truest selves. Tanya really believes in the power of the group in the work that she does, which is what I want to talk to her about today. Because I believe this approach that is often used in the psychotherapeutic and coaching spaces could be used in the medical field too. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you so much, Dr. Jude. I'm really happy to be here. Well, so am I. I'm really happy to be here with you because I actually think that I could use some tips for clearing my energetic clutter right now. I really loved this phrase when I when I read it. And I would love you to start by explaining what you mean by this and maybe giving me um, some top tips on how I can start. So what I mean by energetic clutter, they're really all the things that demand our focus, our time, our energy, um, but they don't help us move the needle towards growth or meaning or how we want to feel in our lives. So they are things like, well, most often they're the pairing of limiting beliefs that we all have from our childhoods and the cultures that we grew up in. Sometimes we've had situations in our adulthood that also can bring on some limiting beliefs. And I'll give some examples in a minute. And then the behaviors that get paired with them. So limiting beliefs, my mind that has taken a lot of work on my end, and I have more than one, and I may even talk about more than one in our conversation today. But people pleasing is an example of the behavior that gets paired with a limiting belief, which is I will be um, abandoned if I'm not nice and accommodating. So that's just one example, but it's one I've had to work on. So it's the idea of the fear that comes up, that behaviors that were put in place to make sure, oh, people are going to abandon me if I'm not agreeable and nice. And then the behaviors that get put in place are saying yes and doing things for other people without checking in about whether or not my energy is in alignment with me saying yes, without checking in about whether or not that's something I would choose to do with my time or my space. And so that's an example of what can happen. And then it gets depleting. So when we're doing things like saying yes, and there are more, um, feeling like we have to hustle for our worth, feeling like being productive is so much more important than having fun or clearing our nervous systems. So those are some examples. I think I really started vigorously nodding along when you said it's just so depleting. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just so depleting when we are... I guess, doing things 
in order to please other people. I think I can relate to this a lot. And as mm-hmm. I've become more conscious about it, I'm aware sometimes that I, I am people pleasing um, mm-hmm. because I actually don't want to face the consequence of not. So the risk for me of not being liked. So how how can I how can I move through this, Tanya? Because I think we all know on some level that we don't want to people please, but the mm-hmm. in some way, like that's such a is a phrase that that we hear a lot now because it's because we're starting to realize that we've been brought up to do it so often. Mm-hmm. But I think we perpetuate that because we actually don't want to face the the risk and 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 the the probability perhaps that somebody else will be displeased by us mm. not pleasing them and yeah how how can we work with that how can we yeah. work with that sort of bind that we put ourselves in yeah yeah i mean i think an important part of the process of clearing any of this out is really looking at it sitting with it and seeing how much it comes up seeing how often we're in a situation where we're feeling depleted where we're not able to come back to ourselves it in some ways it's a gray area i mean in some ways it's not because it's like oh i do this thing and this thing is based on this old story and recognizing the pattern is not necessarily the gray area but when you see it playing out in your life and realizing well it doesn't mean I can never make a choice that also pleases other people. It doesn't mean that I can't be a generous person. And I think that's the part that I think is really important for people to get just a better understanding of when are you saying yes to something, even if it takes a lot of energy to do this thing when it really is honoring what's true for you. It's honoring a relationship or it's honoring a step on your journey or something versus when is it the last thing you want to be doing and the pattern is so entrenched that if you don't interrupt it you will have this very depleting experience again and again so starting to look at all the different layers recognizing the story and then planning a step in an area where you know, oh, this is where I get myself in trouble. This is where when I'd say yes to this thing, I know that I end up maybe getting really irritable and losing my temper at my partner or my kids or something where the cost is too high and getting clear of like, uh, that even though it's uncomfortable to start interrupting this pattern, I'm clear now that the cost is too high. And so I'm going to tolerate some of the discomfort because it's it's really causing some negative things in my life that I don't want to keep continuing. So getting that awareness is such an important part of this process. Mm, that's it, isn't it? It's the awareness that... that so the awareness is really the first point to change, isn't it? And it allows you to then make a choice. Like, do I want to do this? Um, because that's something that actually is going to fill me up. 
perhaps in the longer term or or you know what I actually don't want to face the the wrath of the other person and so the payoff for me is I'm going to be doing something I don't want to do um and I guess it, it's up to to us you know whether we uh, what we choose in the moment and then perhaps what we choose to lean into um mm-hmm. to perhaps grow through um later late, later on as a as as an experiment like what feels better what what doesn't like what, yeah what's my edge here um but yeah. yeah I really relate to at the moment I feel like yeah I'm, I'm in the tension of that I feel mm. I feel like I'm in the tension of that like um yeah just noticing my patterns and then needing to perhaps interrupt them a little bit with just a pause and a question of um yeah who am I doing this for and is this Mm. something I really want to be doing um yeah but yeah awareness awareness and you said something that I think is important which is I just don't want to deal with somebody else's wrath right I mean you worded it a little bit differently but that to me means that the other person is having power over us because of our discomfort it's not the same as making a choice like this relationship is one that I want to honor in this way and I want to make this choice even though it takes a lot of energy it's more fear based and it's more giving your power over to somebody because they have a certain edge that feels really uncomfortable. And so to me, that awareness would be a time to start figuring out what's a tiny way to start dipping your toe in a little bit to setting a boundary with this person, because it sounds like that dynamic is taking over and that's not really honoring um, you know, I don't know whether this is a, a real situation or not. A real situation, but the, the point is, is that anybody in that kind of a dynamic where it's very fear-based like that, um, certainly safety is always the top priority. So if it's really that kind of fear, making sure you're safe is really important, but not to give your power over to somebody else like that. Mm. Mm. Well, that's something for me to certainly ponder and I just was I knew that word was going to come up but as you were speaking boundaries boundaries mm, yes um, yeah, it's such a it's such a buzzword at the, um you know at the moment about boundaries mm. and um I think importantly so you know it's part of um it's part of self-actualizing which I think is what your work really focuses on mm. we need to be in touch with ourselves and really connect to what's true for us mm-hmm. um, in order to self-actualize um, rather than perhaps live a life in accordance to what someone else would wish for us yeah. or society would wish for us. Mm-hmm. And um, that's something that I'm very keenly aware of and feel quite fiercely, um, uh, fiercely in I'm all in for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, seriously dependent of, I, I think I'm a mm. defender of, of self-actualization. Yeah. 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 I think it's important, but it does require some discomfort <laughs> for sure. So, yeah. So you said that, you know, the first way to do that would be to sit with that discomfort. 
I think first is starting to recognize pain points. Pain points are a really good way in. So if you start to notice, oh, I'm always cranky at the end of the day, or, you know, I notice I'm irritable with one person at my partner in particular or something, or I have no patience for my kids or whatever it is, and starting to recognize when you're having some of these pain points and then tracking it. What happened? Like, when did it come up? What happened right before this experience came up and start to learn some of the patterns. And then when you are getting more clear about what the patterns are, you can sort of count backwards and look, huh, when do I first remember this pattern being a thing for me? When did that first come up? And you can many times, we can go all the way back to childhood and remember Oh yeah, like the people pleasing thing from my life, my mother had a lot of anxiety that often came out as anger and rage. And so as a kid, I learned not to rock the boat. And so when I started to recognize my own people pleasing tendencies, and then I sort of counted backwards to look at, well, what's the story there? What's that from? And it's not to say that's a hundred percent or culture reinforces a lot of this message. I mean, there's a lot, and I say culture as if we're all in one culture, but many cultures do support some of these ideas that are really about sort of doing things for other people rather than ourselves. So um, tracking first, trying to understand what our stories are, getting some clarity about that, and then making some decisions about, this is where it's really in the way for me. I'm going to set this one little boundary. And I'm smiling because I'm saying set this one little boundary as if it's so easy, right? It's not. I mean, so often what can happen is we make a decision like this. We're recognizing the pattern. We're deciding, okay, let me set this boundary. I'm going to say no to this thing that I've always said yes to. And, um, it can bring up some discomfort and sometimes we think we're going to do it and we struggle to follow through with the action. I just want to say, knowing you want to do it, even if you don't do it, is a huge amount of progress and something to really celebrate, to know that if you're starting to look at it, that's huge progress. If you're starting to decide where the boundaries would benefit you, that's huge progress as well. And then if you don't end up following through, but you have some discomfort about, ah, that was an opportunity and I didn't do it, that clarity is really something to celebrate anyway. I mean, you're on a path towards doing this and give yourself some time and some space and it's scary. And so when that stuff comes up and you're feeling some of that fear and you're struggling a bit, that's okay. Like keep going, which actually speaks to some of this power of group can be a really great way to get some accountability and support and know we're not alone and have celebration, even just recognizing something we want to shift. Yes. And let's, let's go into this, into this group work. Cause as I mentioned before, I think that in the psychotherapeutic space and in coaching spaces, um, the power of the group is really harnessed. Um, and I actually think that we could be really learning from that approach within the medical space. So yeah. what's your experience um, and why do you believe in the power of, of the group? Mm. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, just to give a quick background is that I became a psychotherapist and then a personal development coach because being part of a group changed my life. And initially I was a graphic designer at the time, but it was so powerful in my life. And I learned that firsthand that it really led to my whole focus in my career to help people have transformational experiences of their own. And the reason group, people are often afraid of group. And there's a lot of fear when I talk to my individual clients and I'm encouraging them to consider group. I get a lot of pushback with that. And I think often it's because people are so vulnerable in their relationship with um a psychotherapist or a personal development coach, when they're alone, there's a certain amount of vulnerability that feels safe because you know that the person is there for that particular reason. That's why you've made this professional arrangement to have somebody sort of support you through your journey and your story and all of that. There's almost this um, given that you're connecting to somebody knowing that they're kind of there to be on your side. Whereas with a group, it feels a little bit scarier than that, or maybe a lot scarier than that. Who are these people? Can they hear me share some of my vulnerable stories? I know when I first did group, my biggest fear was that um, maybe I was unlovable. I did group because I really was struggling to have a long-term love relationship. So that was my big fear is like, oh, maybe I'm unlovable. And so I was really afraid that somebody in group would sort of hear me talk about what my struggles were and confirm, oh yeah, you are unlovable. Like that was the fear that somehow I would be seen through um, my limitations and they would be, it would be worse than I thought. So I know that people going into a group can be really afraid of being vulnerable and also afraid they're not going to get their needs met, that somehow in a group situation, it's going to be politely listening to other people's stories while they're waiting for their own turn to talk can be a reason why people are thinking group won't be helpful. But there is something so powerful about being human with other people, being human and sharing some of this inner world stuff with each other that can help us really know on a visceral level that we're not alone and that the struggles that we have are so similar to struggles that other people have, even if they're the specifics of them are completely different, but some of the the core human emotional stuff that we're going through. We can feel healing to be seen and understood by other human beings. So um, that is part of what can be so powerful mm -hmm. with group. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have experience in my own life of the healing power of like being fully seen and understood but it certainly is daunting um and and uh, and scary um to be vulnerable to people that you that you don't know um so i guess how do you encourage your clients to lean into that fear so that they can take advantage of 
being in the group? I think it's a process of first people starting to trust me. Um, I I was going to say not always. I suppose some people are a little less afraid of group and more open to it and would be more willing to kind of go right in. But for somebody who's really feeling afraid of it, having some trust in me is a first place to go. And then when they feel, okay, I trust Tanya, then maybe I can open up to this possibility and going into that environment. um, And my groups are virtual, although I do in-person retreats that are almost like a group on steroids because it's like even more intensive because we're in this very sort of contained period of time together. But there is something about I think fairly quickly when somebody comes into either a group or a retreat that I'm doing where it's just part of the culture that's been created where people start to share. So if somebody's new, I usually ask them. I don't do like a cohort situation in my groups. I have people join um, when they're ready for group and people can leave if they're feeling like they're ready to not continue on with group. Um, so there's some flow, which is very Uh, I think sort of a microcosm of the world outside of group because people come in and out of our lives and sort of paying attention. How do we do this? What does that look like? And so if somebody's new coming into group and other people have already been in there for a bit, I ask the people who are comfortable in that space to just share a little bit about what's going on with them. We welcome somebody new in and they can see pretty quickly the comfort level of sharing some of the deeper stuff with each other. And, you know, the first session, they don't know each other, but it goes quickly because we are sharing such real vulnerable things with each other that I think somebody can feel that it's a safe space to do that pretty quickly and early on. And yeah, they're strangers at first, but the relationships that develop are so special, whether it's a retreat or a group situation, I think it's a real privileged way to share with each other that does not happen in a lot of different kinds of situations. So to have that kind of um, deeper connection can just feel so warm and special. I don't even know what to say about it, but it really is such a beautiful community that comes together. Mm. Yeah, you, you you talk about this, you talk about creating a, a safe space that really is distinct from a social space. And mm. I think the way I've heard of it um, described before is that there's a distinction between social space and sacred space. And in that sacred space, there is the permission to relate to people in a way that you may never have, you know, related to people before. So really going deep, getting vulnerable, sharing what's true, what's real for us. And there's such a such a power to that can you speak to the the importance of going deep and vulnerable Mm, 
Yeah. I mean, I think what Brene Brown calls it, like the glue that connects humans with each other. I don't know if that's actually what she said. I'm paraphrasing, but that kind of idea is really when we're vulnerable with each other, um, it is something that connects us in much more genuine way. And, um, and it can be uncomfortable. And when that discomfort comes up, I mean, in the work that I do, I do kind of celebrate when somebody faces some some of the things that are uncomfortable for them, partly because I know how brave that is. And partly because I know that that's where transformation lies. So if they're taking some of those risks to put some of their more vulnerable stuff out there, I know that that's going to help the movement of their growth in their journeys. And that's exciting to be able to be witness to that. Um, Yeah, there is something about that vulnerability that it's scary. But once we do put it out there, I think it's because it's so connecting. Whatever we feel vulnerable about, most of the time the person we're sharing with has some way of connecting to what we're sharing. And that's one of the things that I do very deliberately in my groups. I ask them after each person has a chance to share, um, whether it's just where they are in their journeys, we talk about that often, but I also bring in topics that people are giving some thought to for the week prior to group. My groups run every other week. So the topics can be something like um, energy, what's depleting for people, when do they feel energized, that kind of thing. So they'll bring in their personal lives to share some of that story. But whatever it is, I ask people to talk about what's resonating for them when they hear somebody else share what's resonating so that we're always touching on those overlapping points so we can see ourselves in each other. Mm. Seeing ourselves in each other, using the group to mirror our own experience by noticing what that share or that person's experience was, is eliciting in us. That's right. And it's really, I think that's such a huge, powerful gift of group um, mm-hmm. because there's going to be someone that triggers triggers you. There's going to be someone that you warm to. Um, there's going to be someone that you might project your parent on. And so there's all sorts of dynamics that can be elicited within that group. Um, that can give you an insight into parts of yourself that you may or may not be aware that you're bringing out with that space in your real life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think that can touch on some unconscious stuff, which is part of what makes group bring some things up that are more powerful than individual because some of that stuff you wouldn't have touched on in an individual session. But by hearing somebody else and noticing what's resonating from you, you can access some parts of yourself that were maybe dormant or you weren't paying attention to. And then they kind of rise to the surface and you can really start to use that in your growth journey. It's information. It's really helpful in that way. And the other thing I was going to say is I often will, um, and, and my different clients 
sort of work with me in different ways. It sort of depends on what they've done and, and what their needs are. But I always do offer individual sessions in addition to group as a chance to process. So let's say something comes up in group and somebody feels really uncomfortable. I mean, back to our initial fear, right? Our, our um, discomfort about like talking about something in group, maybe that's maybe more negative. Somebody is pissing you off and you're not quite sure how to handle that. And you don't want to speak to that person in group in a way that's going to be alienating, but it's also good work to be doing. And so I offer people the chance to process things separately. We've had a shared experience. I was there as well. So it's helpful to have another perspective as stuff gets processed and then a decision gets made about, is there any part of this that you feel ready to bring back to group? Is there something you want to share about what's going on? And we can decide together what somebody might feel ready to start to say more openly about what's going on for them. Mm. Really being taken back to one of my group experiences in which I um, did bring something that felt so difficult to do into into the group. And um, it was one of the most life changing experiences I'd ever had because um, I realized that I'd almost proved to myself in that experience even that I was willing to speak up for myself even when it was really difficult to. And even though um, even though I could be rejected and I decided I was going to do that anyway, um, And I think that was one of the most powerful learnings because having experienced myself doing that, I've developed a level of self-trust that I know that I will and can have difficult conversations and that I carry with me into my intimate relationships. Um, And yeah, even though I may sit on something for a while because it is a difficult thing to raise, I know because I have experienced it in myself that I will and can bring up difficult, uncomfortable topics when and if the circumstances require it. So it's so special to be supported in a group setting because it is a practice. It's like a practice for life. It's a safe space where you can experiment with your edges and be held and witnessed in that and then feel more confident in your real life knowing that you have accessed that inner resource in the past. Um, yeah, I find that really transformative and, and that could only have been done in, in group, uh, in, in group. So yeah, yeah. I, I remember the power of that. I love that. I love what you're saying. And I love that, that trust piece, right? That, and 
even saying, okay, I've done it. And it's not like you have to do it every day for it to have a lot of power, but to know you've done it, to have that as a touchstone, to have that as a resource. And, you know, I I also, I think part of my own trust in myself also got developed through going to group. And I remember something that would would have been so easy for me to let go. There was somebody taking up space and talking about something that didn't feel to me like it was part of her depth in her journey. It was a little bit more superficial. And I typically would have sat politely until that was finished and felt like, all right, I guess that's what we're talking about. But I really decided to speak up about how complicated that was for me. I didn't want to be rude, but I also had, uh, I live outside of New York City about an hour and this group that I had attended was in New York City. So I took a train to get into the city. You know, it was a lot of effort to get there and be in that space. And I remember thinking, I'm not going to get my needs met if I stay on this more superficial track right now but I don't want to be rude. It was such a dilemma, but starting to find language and being able to speak about it and also not being harsh about it, but really talking about my own struggle with it. It was life-changing for me to be able to have that kind of conversation and other similar kinds of conversation. Absolutely. Mm. Because there's one thing around having and I'm not hierarchy. I'm not. This is not meant to be a, a conversation around hierarchy, but between individual therapy and group therapy, because I think both have their place. But mm-hmm. this is where group therapy does stand stand apart from individual therapy, because um, in some ways it's a little less safe than one to one individualized therapy. Um, mm-hmm. So you do have to play around with other people's feelings and other people's judgments and you do have to um fight for space uh become to notice your relationship to um being part of a group which is such a common experience that we will encounter in all aspects of our life so the skills we can learn within a group setting are so applicable and can allow mm-hmm. us a window into that part of our social selves. Yeah. Um, which yeah. are really great skills to be able to practice being a little more skillful in because so mm-hmm. many so many of us have problems with it, whether that's within our workplace or whether it's whether that's within our families or whether that's within a new group situation that we find ourselves in, it's really nice to have um, a sort of little um, safe space we can try things out in mm-hmm. before, we, yeah. before we enter um, or when, before we enter these, these groups in our lives um, in the real world, as it were. Yeah, yeah. And I think just to even find your own individual way. I think that my way, I'm very gentle in the way that I approach things, but also can have strength in that. And I think finding my own way to honor both of those parts of myself has been an important 
tool for me to really find my own language because I think you mentioned oh the dreaded word boundaries you know and I think often there's almost this push to be harsh or to to be abrupt and handle it in a way that who cares what anybody thinks and I, I think to find our own way to honor ourselves honor our relationships and yet still be strong and still be firm is so important because it's so much more sustainable when we feel like it's still a reflection of us. And so, yeah, absolutely. Groups are such a great way to practice that, to practice even specific wording and um, yeah, and see how that feels to do some of that. And then what happens after we've done some of those difficult things. Mm. And you tend to work with um, people with, well, you're working within the psychotherapeutic and the coaching spaces. So can you just tell um, me and the listeners, like what kind of people are coming to work with you in and, and when you refer them to group and when and what effect that has had for those groups of people? And then I'm interested in what you think we can learn about these things what can be translated in mm. different spaces yeah um who comes to me i think typically people come to me when they are feeling something's not working well in their lives so it could be something like struggling with their communication in their relationship or um, feeling depleted so much of the time, just feeling like there's something more in life that they're struggling to access. I have a lot of people with perfectionistic tendencies that come into my practice and people-pleasing tendencies, things like that. So I think people who are experiencing some pattern of life feeling like it's not getting beyond a certain point for them and wanting more and not sure how to access that more. And so what I really help people do is start to identify some of those patterns. What is getting in the way and what can we understand about some of those things that are in the way so that that can get cleared. And it goes back to this energetic clutter idea of like, really deciding what some of the limiting beliefs are for each person, trying to understand where it came from for them, and then starting to practice other ways of doing whatever it might be. So it could be setting boundaries. It could be giving themselves permission to rest. I have a lot of overdoers that are part of my practice. And I think that people actually giving themselves permission to rest even before they have it all done. Cause I think there is this fantasy of like, Oh, I'm just going to finish it all first. And then I'll take some time for myself, which never seems to happen. So helping people start to identify um, some boundaries that they might want to set with themselves or with the world out there, some ways of honoring their whatever is exciting to them that perhaps they haven't been giving themselves permission for that because they feel like they need to finish their chores first and get their work done first and hang with their kids first or take care of their kids homework or whatever it is so yeah helping people really start to identify the 
these ideas that are running the show and other ways to think about how to honor yourself. Mm. I feel like I'm your ideal client. (laughs) (laughs) I'm seeing myself reflected in so many of those things. And what do you think about the use of, of group? What can the medical profession learn from the psychotherapeutic and coaching spaces with regards to groups? Do you think that we can apply some of the same principles? Um, and yeah, what, 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 do you, what, what can we learn? What are the pitfalls? What can we learn mm. from that um, to make to to make it successful? From from yeah, are very experienced in this modality. So, I mean, in the medical field, I would imagine there's a lot of behavioral change that gets talked about and that people struggle with. And so in a group situation to really talk about some of those efforts to change and what might be in the way could be really helpful. And so that it's not the person isn't blaming themselves to say, oh, I just, you know, I don't know what's the matter with me. Why can't I do this? Well, it's complicated. And if we can honor how complicated it is and to also know that we're going to celebrate each other and we're going to support each other taking some of these steps and get a better understanding of what might be in the way so that we can start to make some of these shifts and they can be more sustainable can be really helpful. But I think to recognize that knowing something intellectually just is not enough. There's a whole emotional component with all kinds of behaviors that we're doing because of our nervous system is activated. And what do we do to keep ourselves safe and just different ideas that can trigger a lot of anxiety or, um, you know, back to the limiting beliefs. But if we're not honoring them, we can definitely trigger some emotional responses. And the more we can know that and sort of incrementally start to take some steps and get those muscles strengthened so that we can really trust, okay, yeah. And I think we can support each other through that. And I think we see so many repeated patterns. So to be able to kind of take some of these patterns and identify the pattern itself, I think it takes some of that edge off of the person thinking, oh, they're just doing it wrong. And that there's a whole pattern here. It's not just me, like it's a struggle across the board. And I think, you know, just in terms of being able to speak to that and speak to a number of people at once and know that they can support each other as well. Either during the session, I also have um, my, the people in my groups have like a connection in a WhatsApp chat too. So if stuff comes up between groups, they're able to just reach out to each other knowing we get each other on a level that's, you know, a little special and to be able to just reach out and get a little, you know, you've got this or some kind of response from other people going through that. I think all of that is so powerful and helpful. And it's what we need before, you know, within our culture. So in Westernized cultures, very individualized um, Mm -hmm. cultures where there's a big emphasis on, on the individual actually bringing in groups 
um, and and increasing like your level of um, comfort in relationship and in social settings. Like this is an edge that we all need to lean on. We mm-hmm. sort of tend to um, feel we need to do these things ourselves, and we should be strong enough to, th- to do these things ourselves, and rely on ourselves because this is what this is a very strong cultural message that we have been brought up with in the Western world. And actually, mm-hmm. knowing that um, it's, it's an edge for us, I think, to lean on others for support. But it's an edge that we um, can grow a lot from. And really is an edge that we brings us back into balance with ourselves. We need the support from others and we need um, we need to be celebrated, seen, understood, held, supported, cheered on. Yeah. Um, all of these things, which is yeah, why the group is just so important. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just thinking of shame when you were talking about that and this connected, I think, to this idea, oh, we should be able to do it ourselves. It's also this idea is like, I shouldn't be messing up with this as if somehow we're really seeing it as our own personal messing up. And then there's some shame in that and thinking, oh, you know, somehow I'm the one that's out of the norm or I'm the one that's struggling in a way that other people don't. And it feels unsafe to let people see that, that sort of, and I guess I, this sort of, I think I started our conversation saying some of this, but I'm just thinking about that shame idea is so powerful. If we feel some shame about what we're putting out there, then we want to hide it and stuff it down. But then that makes it more entrenched and more of um, it can have a different kind of grip on us. So when we can bring some of that stuff, even if we do feel some shame out into the light, it it lessens sort of the grip that that has of us. Mm, I think there's a real dance and balance around our immediate needs and our long-term needs and like, you know, our, 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 mm-hmm. our wants and our desires and our saboteur. And mm-hmm. this is also where group can really hold us accountable to a greater vision that we have and notice and help us notice when certain parts of ourselves want to come up and perhaps, yes, sabotage um, mm. our longer-term visions because, um what we think we need and want in the moment may be very out of alignment with what we really want long-term and how do we balance our sneaky little snakes Mm -hmm. that really um, can play a very shifty game. Um, And so, yeah, that's something I'm working with um, in my life right now. So where are those lines for group? I think can hold us accountable um, mm-hmm. and that's something else that I think can be really maximized in, 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 in a more medical setting too. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what you're saying about those sneaky parts of ourselves and that sometimes we can be really confused about what do we actually want? What does actually sort of excite us and what kind of um, way do we want to honor ourselves? And so I love that idea of 
catching ourselves even as we're maybe not being honest with ourselves of certain thing or not looking deeply enough at certain things. And so as we start to say some of this out loud, have witnesses with some of these things, then we can be held accountable and we can be reminded, not in a nasty way, but in a, huh, you said you wanted this and now you're doing this. It doesn't seem like that's the path as something changed and really to help us all kind of get real honest about some of the choices that we are making along the way. Mm. And it's a journey, isn't it? And we're not perfect. And yeah. we're just human. And I think that um, a reminder of that, um, especially in this new age of AI, is 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 um is helpful yeah we're not we're not robots we mm-hmm. we, we are we we do have we do have our inner saboteurs and we do mm-hmm. have all sorts of parts that are at play um that are sneaky and um so yeah having fellow passengers on this journey um to help us through all of the ups and downs and twists and turns. Mm. Yeah. Something yeah. Welcome. So Tanya, tell me, like, you know, you've mentioned that you have people in group, that people come to you um, when it really sounds like they, they've come to a place where they know they want something more, but aren't really sure what that means. Um, how can people contact you? Um, how can people work with you? The easiest way for people to really connect to my work is um, coming to my website. I have an easier to remember handle, which is clearenergeticclutter.com. So if somebody starts there, I have free discovery sessions. If anybody is interested in exploring how group might be helpful for them. Um, And I offer different combinations of group and individual, depending on sort of what somebody is feeling will be the most helpful. And so that's something that we can talk about. I have a little documentary on there about how group changed my life. So it's just a 10 minute little documentary, but it really speaks to what it did for me in my life. And yeah, so um, would love to connect to anybody interested in having a conversation. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Well, group has really changed your life. It's changed my life. Um, I wonder how many more lives we can change through it in across, across all spaces, because there's something very special about um, people sharing um, our life experience and knowing that we're not alone and that Mm -hmm. we are supported and held um, is a very powerful, powerful therapeutic um intervention um and i think should be harnessed more often so thank you so much for sharing your experience your your wisdom um and i will share all those details in the show notes so please do reach out to tanya if this feels resonant and you are like me nodding your head just going oh my gosh (laughs) i really am her ideal client (laughs) so (laughs) thank you so much for your time tanya Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation and being here with you. And I love that you're seeing your own sort of bigger mission connected to this as well. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for listening, Body Mind Soul Seekers. If you want to connect with trusted alternative therapists, learn more about what they do and how they can help you, check out my new holistic healthcare platform, The Witchy Women. Or if you are a holistic healer that wants to serve and help more people, book in a discovery call with me. Find more details at thewitchywomen.com. To show your support for this podcast, please share it with a friend or leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. Thank you all so much. Until next time.